1: Hey there Beta's fans. This is the very very first AfterBuzz TV Beta's after show. So excited to be here. Love this show. Love that we're doing it. I'm Matt Lieberman. Joining me on the panel this season, we got Patrick Dees. What is
2: up? How are you, Mr. Lieberman? I'm doing well. Excellent. You're doing well, too. Excellent.
1: And uh, we have a very special guest here today. We have one of the creators of betas, Evan Endicott, is here in the studio with us. Hello, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank absolutely. you for coming. Um, so, congratulations on the rollout of this show. Thank we you, thank you. absolutely adore it. Um, I think it's like this amazing mix. Of, you know, grounded, realistic characters with a whole lot of raunch and heart. And it's striking at something that a lot of people know of but don't really know about, if you know Mm -hmm, what I mean. mm -hmm. Like, everyone's aware of the, you know, the tech startup world in San Francisco. They're using these apps every day. But they don't really get a real peek into who these people are and how they interact. You got the social network, not exactly a, a realistic depiction, it's a little skewed one way, I think, personality wise. Um but I'm just I'm so excited to be Slightly talking about Slightly darker the show. than our show, too. Yeah, just a little show. bit dark. Uh, I mean Fincher's maybe, maybe. known for his light hearted comedies. <laughs> right. So we go to the inspiration there. But, yeah. Yeah. So Absol- when we finally get to the part where uh, where Trey cuts Nash out of uh, out of B R B when it gets really, really huge. Lawyer up, man. <laughs> lawyer up.
3: <laughs> Bring it. Absolutely. I think we actually wrote the line lawyer up in an episode and it immediately got cut. Can't I love can say that. Yeah.
2: No, but like genuinely, like very authentically, I really love the show. I was telling you guys earlier, uh, I kind of ran into the show by accident. Somebody said, hey, this is like right up your alley. And I'm really glad that somebody pointed me in that direction because it's, uh, it is darkly hilarious. Yeah. Thank yep.
3: you. Thank you. Um, we like to say it's like Deadwood meets Sailor Moon. Ooh. actually no. okay. that doesn't make any, any sense that doesn't make any sense yeah i was like, like i was I like i, I see no, that makes no you, sense throw you off yeah. guard right away <laughs> mission
1: accomplished
3: um <laughs> is that where you got <laughs> yeah. that uh, japanese rope bondage from <laughs> 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 jesus internet research it's your best friend Damn. got it yeah. Yeah.
1: um so i want to talk about this pilot for a bit and then we'll move into more of a formal conversation about the show um so we we open on uh, on Sailing by Christopher Cross and Nash is trying to Nash is trying to work uh, is so he is the CTO of uh, of he BRB. is the chief technical
3: officer yes. for yes. those of us who are not privy to startup lingo. You, you well, nailed okay, I wasn't okay. before I uh, yeah. started is writing that right? this. So okay. yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, so he's freaking out over this shared workspace with all these, you know, tech wannabes shooting foam darts everywhere, Nerf's
2: and Cheetos everywhere. And yeah, I,
1: and we're immediately drawn into what I think is kind of the key conflict of the episode and and potentially of the series is the relationship between Trey and Nash. And Nash, Trey's kind of bringing Nash along for the ride. He's like, "This guy is amazing. I have ambition. He's going to be able to help me." And I'm wondering how much Nash is aware
3: of this. Interesting question. Um, I think he's pretty aware of it. Their relationship yeah. goes back to Stanford. They dropped out sophomore year. And, um, you know, the way we've envisioned the backstory, uh, Nash was always sort of stuck inside of this shell, no way to really communicate with other people, uh, antisocial, lots of sort of OCD sure, issues. Yeah, yeah. And Trey, slightly more savvy. Um, we don't want to paint him as the world's, you know, Uh, cleverest, slickest individual, but he's certainly.
2: A a level of emotional intelligence.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Definitely more
3: of an emotional IQ. And so from the very get-go, he's helped Nash along. Uh, back when they were at Stanford, they created, you know, sort of a primitive version of the app. And it was always to get Nash to meet people. He thought, like, here's a way this kid can actually communicate, which is through code. and, And so let's build something where he seems to be working on this project that's about tech, but ultimately it's a way for him to meet people. And it was a kind of a primitive version of, BRB that we call wingman. It's yes. essentially uh, just okay. like pick up lines and facts about your classmates so when you met them it would tell you like a conversation starter, like an icebreaker. What I
1: love about that is that now you've got this uh, this app and their overall you know entrepreneurial thrust, this thing that they're trying to build together, this company... But it's rooted in Trey wanting to help Nash communicate with the world. He's talking about this whole episode, talking about with the merch, about, you know, how do you really connect with people in the real world? And I love that it's
3: rooted in their friendship. Absolutely. And that's a big part of the arc moving forward. And their relationship is complicated. You know, sometimes you wonder why the hell they're friends. Uh Other Mm -hmm. times it's clear that they're yin and yang and and they're better together than apart. And I think that's how a lot of relationships work. I mean, I, I... I know that with my friends, I gravitate toward people who are far more extroverted, or have some element about sure. them that is different than mine, and somehow in that synergy, you know, you become more of a complete person, and, and that's what we want to explore there.
2: You see that though in a lot. I think that's incredibly. Again, I go, I go back to that word authentic over and over again when yeah. you're talking about your show because I see that relationship in a lot of CEOs, CTOs. Like ultimately, I'm, yeah,
3: no, no really <laughs> we did too. Truly,
1: For those yeah. of you who don't know, Patrick is very well versed in this world because he is the CEO of a tech startup.
2: I, I am, so I, I've gone down that VC route san francisco so uh again all of this resonated like to the nth degree with when i when i started this episode but like especially like i find i'm um, as a ceo i'm definitely the extrovert the product vision guy but don't bore me with the details and i definitely need the right, nashes of right. the world and it's not like a used perspective you know it's it's this whole let's let's achieve a common goal kind of kind of synergy
3: definitely and I think you know if Trey has a fatal flaw it is that wanting to gloss over the details and get to the big picture success and that's where you know Nash's sort of uh, OCD actually keeps them in check because he wants the product to be good we saw that a lot too and all the time we did research there was usually um, more often than not co-founders in yeah. these in these uh apps and things. And so you've got usually two very different personality types trying to make it happen. Yeah. So.
1: And I think that that relationship is very cleanly explained like without a lot of w- without taking too much time when they're talking about that project sophomore year right. that uh Nash refused to turn in until it was perfect and uh Trey just went ahead and did it behind his back. He betrayed him because otherwise he would have failed. Right, he needed that push to keep going. Absolutely. Adverbs. Adverbs. Well, <laughs> I think like, it's Trey's greatest strength and also potentially his greatest weakness is that he's not he's not a fan of rules. He doesn't really have right. much respect for them. He doesn't really have much respect for authority. Ultimately, he feels that he knows best. It's not always the truth. Right.
3: But it, at least so far, it's been working out for him. That is absolutely true. You know, he's definitely my way or the highway kind of person, if I can trot out an old cliche. Um, but, like, yeah, blind blind ambition. Yes. And we're interested in how that gets him in trouble. But also, how it ends up bringing this team along because it's kind of a ragtag crew and they do need a leader like that. So,
1: yeah. Now we've got, uh, we've got Hobbs, who's mm-hmm. played by John Daly, who's just awesome on the show. Great get, by out the way. This guy.
3: Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> He's the best. Um, yeah, we got super lucky there.
1: Yeah. Was it always your intention to have an older member of this team and to, to play out this, this kind of almost burnt out type who's like, who's tried before and
3: failed? Absolutely. From the get-go, that character was there in the pitch when we when we first went into the room uh, with our conceptions of the characters. We thought it was just interesting, too, that in that world, you're, like, ancient in your 30s. Yeah. yeah. And it really is true. We went to a lot of these... Um, actually, where we shot the show, this is kind of interesting, was a communal workplace. So a lot of the stuff you see there in that intro with Nash, I mean, is exactly what we witnessed <laughs> right. going on. Oh, wow. That's the old Google building, and, um, you know, they moved to Venice, and so now it's a whole bunch of startups. Mm-hmm. But, uh... Anyway, we thought, like, you don't, you walk around these places and everyone's like, it looks like a college dorm, like a freshman, you yeah. know, yeah. type scenario. And so we were like, are we too old to write this? Uh, we wanted to <laughs> maybe come up with a character who, uh, we could relate to. Um, but that, you know, in this world would sort of be, uh, a old dinosaur. Guard, a yeah. dinosaur. Yeah, yeah. But also have some wisdom having been through it before. You know, there's so much kind of, there's so much trend hopping and there's ups and downs and it's this crazy volatile industry. And he's a guy who you find out subsequently has, has been at a number of startups and, uh, has sort of seen it. So he's a little more jaded because it's like, you know, last week's pets.com or whatever right. is, mm-hmm. is is next week's Facebook and you just never know. And so. Yeah, uh, and, We wanted to have a voice like that.
2: And was it – when John Daly came
3: in for the audition, was it just over? Just It was that
2: <laughs> it has to be him. It, it actually, has to be
3: Hobbs. It actually was. But uh, he came in fairly late in the process. We were having a really difficult time casting the role and um, he'd actually been mentioned by one of our network executives, Joe Lewis, um, who was just a big fan of his stand-up and his, his various um, comedy videos. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I wasn't that familiar with him and he came in and, and, yeah, there was just an energy that you couldn't not look at. It, it was compelling. Did, did he come
2: in with the beard?
3: Uh, no. no. He was doing Kroll Show and didn't have the beard. Okay. And that actually led to a whole series of events, which is now uh, known as Beardgate on the pilot, which was that <laughs> um, he grew the beard for us, then was forced by Kroll to shave. Oh man! And oh. so the beard in the pilot is actually a simulacrum. A wow, that's <laughs> a multi-syllabic <laughs> word for you. That is a fake beard. That is a fake beard. Um, it's like didn't an look 80s fake. vagina. No, we did a great <laughs> job. And then uh, it's been authentic since. So good. Okay. But uh, yeah, a lot of HD photos. Kroll of his- can suck yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really saying that, Nick Kroll. If for some reason you're listening to this podcast. Right, right. It was, uh, right. But there was a lot of like teeth gnashing and hair pulling about what are we going to do if Hobbs can't have a beard? It's how we saw the character. That sounds ridiculous. No, but, but it right. works. Um, but then if you've seen his face without a beard, you know. Oh, he
2: and he also looks like a child. He doesn't play in this like a relic without that he's like so his arc actually to me seems like one of the more interesting things initially out of the gate I thought I was gonna you know I was gonna identify with Trey I wear a lot of hoodies you know (laughs) I'm I'm that guy but like I'm really excited to see where he goes
3: um yeah Hobbs goes through man a lot I don't wanna spoil too much but definitely through the ringer um and you find out a lot about where he's come from and where he's going. And, and his relationship with Mitchell, where we see him as kind of like a bad father figure. Yeah. Sure. You know, a little bit, but also has something to teach him and, and vice versa. I think Mitchell's naivete and optimism are something that Hobbes has lost touch with. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we want to like bring him back from the jaded edge a little bit as the show goes on.
1: Well, I, I really love their relationship. I think that a character like Hobbes is necessary for the show. It raises the the relative stakes of everyone around him because he can't handle his life's over, essentially. Like if he, he, can't, <laughs> right. he can't, he can't <laughs> handle another another failure, and then to have somebody like Mitchell who's so in his shell, but like has so much joy left, you know, like. Trying to bring that out, and also at the same time screwing with him a hell of a lot, yeah. um, I think is going to help bring Hobbs back from that brink. It's like reawakening maybe something that his ex-wife took from him, <laughs>
3: yeah, uh, and we'll get more into their relationship <laughs> right. on the next episode. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean that um, the scene in the in the bathroom in yeah. the pilot was uh, a fairly late addition to the script and we, we were looking at different ways you know you one of the challenges you run into whenever you're doing a pilot episode is just how to cram in character backstory and um it can be very difficult and you don't want to be on the nose about an expository and that scene came along late in the game and i thought john just really knocked it out of the park <laughs> it really it added a layer that you know the character doesn't have up until that scene and really lets you know that there are stakes for him yes and and therefore stakes for the company yeah, I love
2: that scene is one of my favorites in the entire episode, actually, when the when he mentioned the old yellow. Yeah. The, but like leading up to that too it was so great. It just really showed his range. He comes from the spilling the soda on the uh, what is yeah. scrawny depp or whatever. Yeah. yeah like, oh That's man, Dane. the shirt's hand painted. And they go right they go right <laughs> from Dane. that into like again brilliantly introducing kind of that backstory and that like what what the stakes are for him.
3: Yeah, that was a really fun one to shoot. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Dane to uh played yeah. by Tyson Ritter of uh uh, All-American Rejects, the rock oh, band. Man. So a rock star in his spare time when he's not acting up a storm. Oh, okay. And uh, another really lucky casting get where, you know, he kind of came to us by whimsy uh, and the hard work of our casting director, uh, Alyssa, and just killed it. One of the funniest guys I've ever met. And, uh, and consistently yeah. elevated a character that we initially thought was just going to be kind of a one-jumper. Yeah, his pony line readings yeah. yeah. are so <laughs> kind
1: of out there. Yeah. This is hand painted, bro. Yeah, it was
3: yeah.
2: so, it was yeah. so good, but again, authentic. Like, no yeah. part of me yeah. sounds totally feels surprised. It. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so we got this awesome cast. We have a mission and uh we, you set up you know sort of like the world of of these entrepreneurs very slickly by showing Trey using the Valemy app which he has so much contempt for it's cuz it's like <laughs> and, but that's the thing it's like the app works perfectly totally. but it's flawed in its conception right. um and he's smart enough to get it and and like jaded and angry enough that he's going <laughs> to tell anyone that he that will listen right um and uh so <clears throat> they've got they've got this app, and they they want to get up and running. you know George Murchison is this guy who you know he's funded a bunch of a bunch of tech startups. he's very, very rich, everyone knows about him yep. um, and uh he's gonna crash this party, and he's longing to Nash to get him there, uh forcing him to wear pants and Nash <laughs> I, don't <has> pants. <laughs> yeah. I don't own pants I don't own pants okay uh yeah I, I loved that. Um, And you kind of got like this nice little window into who Trey is when he has that moment alone in his Mm. room and he's just like he's just at the whiteboard and he's like Mm -hmm. realizing the gravity of his situation. He really has no plan. He has no connection to Murchison. He just, he knows two people who are supposed to be there. Yeah. And he's... Google Founders, is that correct? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's Larry, Larry Page. Larry Made up a system. Shum it, <laughs> yeah. 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 Still hope to introduce as a character someday. Absolutely.
3: Think... <laughs> that would be incredible.
1: But like you'd you think that, I mean, even a valet guy, right, would like, would know in that world. Who well, that was are... sort
3: of the joke, though. Like, we thought that it was interesting how anonymous some, some of these people are, you know. They yeah. invent these things that change our lives that we use every day I mean I use Google more than probably any other product you know absolutely. family out there in the world and um, and like I had no idea what they look like before I started researching the show um, yeah. it, and that is like I mean that's kind of a fascinating thing about it it's a very different kind of celebrity if you're in San Francisco of course people would recognize him on the street but I don't think here anyone would
1: no I don't mm-hmm. know page could like. just
3: yeah. cruise around, and so we kind of we thought that was just a funny conceit that who are these people that yeah, you know absolutely. rule yeah. our lives yeah
1: um, so they crash this party, and George Murchison is this you know leftover from the San Francisco LSD days. Sure. He apparently was very formative in uh, in its creation, uh, and now he's rocking out with Moby. Uh, <laughs> One <he's> word, doing <laughs> Moby, <laughs> lead flues uh, in this jam band with Moby, who uh, is just awesome in this episode. Thank he's you. He's so funny, she and was... Uh, he was a he's an amazing get.
3: He was a pleasure to work with. Yeah. And I also want to give a shout out to Ed Begley, who's a comic genius and is great Ed as a merchant. Yeah. It gets better as it goes on great. and really elevated that character. Um, but yeah, th- there are those types in that world too, which is also distinct from kind of the LA millionaire scene and that we observed up in San Fran, which is guys like Roger McNamee, who you'll see give a Ted talk and they're just wearing sweatpants and like a grateful dead shirt. And uh-huh. These guys are worth, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars and are investing in, in, the way the future is designed sure. and are incredibly smart. And so we thought a character like that <clears throat> was just fun to play with and it really has, has proven to be a rich source of comedy for us. And um, Moby was great. Awesome of him to do it. He was hilarious. All of the stuff about uh, effing an octopus, as yeah. Matt might say, uh, was all improv, you know, and he came <laughs> armed with all kinds of material that was even crazier that we couldn't use yeah. and uh, who would have
1: and- known Moby comic genius <laughs> yeah I did not expect it he should do skits on his next album like a
3: rap album also didn't know he could tear up the blues guitar he yeah. was mm-hmm. uh, he was mm-hmm. Fully, he, we asked him what instrument he wanted to play. Cause we were like, what do you want? You want like turntables? Keyboard? And he was like, no, man, I want, I want to play guitar.
2: Now, now do you guys, did you guys write for Movie or did he come just like, you just turned him loose? Just, hey, here you go. Yeah.
3: We, I mean, we wrote a couple things, but he really, really went off script and also just had a lot of fun hamming it up in like the jam band conceit. I think like really playing, cause it was, that was a terrible song that we found oh, and yeah. we knew it and that was the beauty uh-huh. of it. But, uh, he had no shame in just like shredding it up and then having a blast. So he was great. Cool. Um,
1: so we, we were introduced, we kind of glossed over this scene, but I want to bring her into it since we're talking about sure. um, the party. We, we have Lisa, who we come to learn is uh, an employee of George Murchison. She helps advise him on what to invest in, what not to invest in. Um, she's looking at David Chu and the, uh, the Valami app. And, uh, you know, in this scene, we, again, we get a sense of who Trey is. He, it's obvious that she doesn't want to talk to anybody, <laughs> he, but he has to prove his point. He has to be right. Um, and like many, I think, you know, young geniuses, the ego is a bit bigger than than the brain sometimes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, she. I, I love their interplay together because he keeps – it's foot and mouth diso- disorder.
3: It's yeah. bad news. Yeah, he's got a lot of that. Yeah a um, chronic case you might now, say
2: now the, was that, that was at Barduken right was that the, was yeah, the yeah, So <laughs> is this a real
3: thing no that's no. A, that's an inside joke for the gamers out there i, uh, I, no yeah, yeah, I, I appreciate no. it yeah,
2: absolutely i think most of our generation would, would uh, identify with that i'd love that
3: uh, and uh that is funny we were i remember just pitching names name after name for that i'm know. really What's bummed it, it doesn't exist um And a writer's assistant. You could start it, Patrick. Why why not? I mean, that's right. We're talking about
2: entrepreneurship. There you go.
3: One of our writer's assistants threw that out and immediately I was like, case closed. It's called Bartoucan. And and the art department was like, what the hell does that mean? (laughs) And like, they didn't know how to spell it. They didn't think it was funny. And then once like the joke was explained, we were like, trust us. This is the kind of thing that people who who know this and come from this culture will love. It's
1: so funny. This show has more Japanese references than any (laughs) other comedy I think I've ever seen. (laughs) Well, is
2: that something like you would like, how do you gauge the how you not that love
3: <laughs> right,
1: I'll give you that Japan? that's true
2: now, you they're so weird this? like so you know when, uh, you see that this plays well you're getting an audience reaction that was just all gut yeah i knew that Bardukan was going to be a thing oh uh, yeah, yeah yeah this i think it's, my vision
3: i think it's early yet but i'm hoping to see that reaction i'm hoping that people will you know want to buy the merch or whatever yeah i would buy um, the merch merch art's working on it you know they got the <laughs> coasters they got so the t-shirts um, they designed a custom neon fireball Hadouken what? over the over the door. Oh, oh fantastic! So um, cool. Beautiful. I want that. Yeah.
0: So. I,
2: you know, and just something I really dug from the pilot too. I thought that was really cool, and also uh, instantly hooked me was that like a Google Maps style establishing shot. Oh, yeah, is how yeah. I knew that that was Bardukan.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, did how did that come about? <laughs> I um, thought it was so cool. And then yeah.
2: eventually you end up moving away from it, right? Yeah, we
3: don't really use it subsequently. That's something we talked about. Would it get annoying every time we change locations or would it just be a way to establish new locations? Yeah. right. And we thought about slotting it in there, but ultimately decided we didn't need it. And a lot of our episodes run plenty long as it is. Sure, so, sure. So we felt like it would just interrupt the flow. But I really like it in the pilot. I mean, it, yeah. sets, mm-hmm. it sets It sets the up world. the world. Yeah, very, very much, much so. so. Very much so. And, and again, um, you kind of like touched on this earlier – Why hasn't a show like this been made? And we thought it's like it's so prevalent now in the culture that you don't have to really care about tech specifically and you don't have to know how startups work to relate to it because it's just in our everyday lives. And that was another one of those details that I think it's like immediately see that and it just makes you feel like it's of now and and of your world. There's
1: all these little details that I think just, you know, like segments of millions of people – will immediately identify with all the millions of people who play Tiny Wings got a little love in the pilot. You or know. who are into Kumbaku. Exactly. <laughs> people who love very hot Japanese rope bondage are all about your show. Now,
2: now, there is a gaming reference or two in, like, every episode that I've seen thus far. Is that you, you guys all big gamers? Or where is this coming um, from?
3: I actually am a gamer. Okay. Um, Josh is not. He has a PS3, but he says that he's... And he owns a couple games which he, like, hasn't played because his fear is that if he ever dips in, he'll, like... Never come He'll out right. Uh, yeah right uh and then, he, and then he had a daughter who's now two and i think that occupies most of his free time right, but sure. i've been trying to i've been trying to tell him a little stress relief would be good after right. hours he teaches you know. her how to play call right. of duty yeah. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. um but i am definitely and certainly for mitchell's character it's important and so yeah, uh what was the
2: uh the team death match, the far cry 3 team death match hashtag intense <laughs> don't ever <laughs> don't, say that again. don't ever say that out
3: loud, that out loud. <laughs> yeah um and that's funny. I got yeah. we got a little bit dinged for some of the like over clevery, you know, talking in the show. But um I actually had an intern at my former job who would say hashtag things out loud. No, I think that like it's so don't just
2: don't do that. <laughs>
1: the only thing I ever say, I say I say hashtag blessed, but that's just more
3: like that's just making fun of it. I'm like, oh, hashtag blessed. I'm just I'm just so blessed with everything in my life. Um, no, but I do think there's like a generational thing that people don't really know that that, that sort of lol speak and tech speak and, and culture has really bled into the younger generation. Generation. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and when i work with 20 and 22 year old kids like they talk like this yeah and um so i know it seems like we're trying too hard to a certain segment of the adult oh. critical population but i actually think that um in some ways it's it's that accurate yeah. And, yeah and i'm not endorsing it yeah, guys. yeah. every time someone <laughs> says hashtag i want to punch them
1: yeah. as you, should.
2: As but you
3: it, should but it seemed like you know that's mitchell right yeah. that's who he is that's who he
1: is he's you know, you know he's an awkward dude he is trying too hard yeah he's, yeah. he's, he's yeah, definitely yeah. trying to yes hard. yeah um, so he and and Mickey, she's the the hot girl who works at Mindhub. Um, she's not really she's not a part of BRB. She's not a part no. of a company. Yeah. Um, but she's a, a, a marketer, so, social media. Like, what what it what was her function before she kind of became part of the group?
3: Yeah, we saw her as somebody who did uh, marketing work. Okay. Um, I'm suddenly blanking on what you call that when you handle all the social media stuff. Social community, community manager. Community, maybe. community manager. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, and so we saw her as kind of freelancing around and doing that for different places. Okay. Um, because she has a sort of forte for, for making noise and getting noticed and, ha- and hatching schemes. And, uh, and then Dane, who she's kind of having the thing with in the pilot, or seemingly so. Is a designer and is doing that at a different startup. So they're just Got kind it, of in the gotcha. communal workspace, providing a little bit of uh, both object of obsession for Mitchell and uh, and a target for Hobbs.
2: Yes, yeah. absolutely. The chess with the dick pic was one of my favorites. Yeah, things. no, I'm trying to 12 get twelve uh, I love that. It's like, please don't call. My, what, what was quote? Please don't call my veg damp. It makes it sound like the Dagobah system was one of the funniest things I've heard on a television show, maybe ever. Uh, and he I'm takes so notice. You Mitchell all that. of a sudden yeah. was like impressed. He's like, he perks up a little bit. Like oh, this chick
1: is worth talking to. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he already knew, but like, that's the thing is, like, she just gets cooler the more she opens totally. her mouth. You know, he realizes, you know what? I made the right choice yeah. of who to crush on. Uh, I picked the right one.
3: Yeah, oh, yeah but we have he's a lot so of hopeless. A lot of yeah. fun with her as the series goes on, and she actually has some of our. Um, some of the most layers of any of the characters we get into which is great well yeah because
1: she kind of she reveals the least i think of anyone in the episodes that i've seen so there's a lot of room to you know build her out versus lisa who you know within the first two episodes we get a lot of a sense of who she is what what fuels her what drives her she wants to be taken seriously she's got this kind of failed relationship that she's Mm -hmm. coming out of Mm -hmm. where you know he was doing his own thing he wasn't really supporting her but you know her career is more Important to her than say a guy. Yeah, she so she left Chicago because of this job, or he moved to Chicago for grad school. What's... He moved to
3: Chicago for grad school, and you know, rather than follow, she has uh, stayed to pursue her career. Right, and you know, I think that's a dilemma that's pretty relatable these days. I've actually seen that exact thing go down. I, I like to say I'm not original enough to really come up with my own stuff, so I tend <laughs> to just steal from life. steal from the best, um, I but, heard... but hopefully that's why it feels authentic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it does. And, it's like, all like,
2: stolen. How did you how did you write her? I think she's one of the more well written. I mean, they're all well-written characters, oh, but her, she feels...
0: She's real, way better than the rest of them. Way better. <laughs> I like well, her. I the what rest, was, yeah. What was
2: cool about her was because I, I felt like you might have had an example or, or had somebody that was like, hey, we're going to model after her. Because she manages that. In that community, a lot mm-hmm. of the females um, <laughs> how to, how to languages, feel like uh, in, uh, are serious. They try and retain some level of femininity because it's hyper-competitive, very yes. testosterone-driven. The tech sector is almost predominantly run by men. So when a woman gets to that level she almost has that like I'm gonna eat my young mentality while yeah. trying to maintain like maintain a relationship but not appear vulnerable and that's why like, she was just felt really complex and again I keep going back to it but authentic like, she has
3: to strap on a pair so 100% of, in that there oil. you go um, I, well, I think actually that's kind of from my Hollywood experience because I have uh, really good friends who are female executives mm-hmm, and okay. it's a similarly I know that male male yeah. dominated world yep. um, just as the agencies are and um, and just knowing people who've kind of had to adapt to that lifestyle like being cutthroat and kind of like you
1: have to be tough you have to keep your head on a swivel everyone's trying to axe you you need to be the first you know on top of anything you have to be the leader of the pack you cannot be doubted you have to play a perfect game yeah you have to play a perfect game and i think that it's it's caused her to withdraw a lot from you know maybe the things that she really enjoys and it's what i it's what i like that trey brings out in her is he's enough of He's a rascal, wise-ass kid, and she's, like, bemused by this, but it also touches something.
3: Which... Yeah, I think it reminds her of kind of how she used to be when she was a little more loose. Yeah, you know, like her. her old collegiate days, and uh, and that uh, there's a part of her life that is now missing because she's become, you know, sort of driven by this ambitious goal. Yeah, um, And just speaking to characters, uh, th- she is not nearly this well written but one of my favorite characters (laughs) of all time is Faye Dunaway's character Network Mm -hmm. so I do like the idea of the sort of brassy hyper intelligent woman you know working in the sort of sharky business world it's just something I'm a big fan of but um, yeah
1: okay I'm I'm a big fan of her too so we're at this party you know Trey discovers that this woman that he failed to not quite hit on uh, is basically <laughs> the key to him having time with the merch, realizes he doesn't have it, and he, he makes a Hail Mary play. And he basically calls Murchison out in front of all of his onlookers yeah. as he's cutting open this beautiful trout. The Ferrari of trout. The Ferrari of trout. Okay. Yeah. I, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, so good. it's just, it's, it's a ballsy move. It's a make or break kind of a moment. Uh, where he's like you know you're pretty much you're in second place you've been missing out you know and this is just gonna be another one of those moments but bye yeah <sighs> five minutes and <laughs> you know they they make this pitch which though it is built on stolen Facebook user data somebody like Murchison who was a rebel and did help make LSD he appreciates that yes he, it's not perfect but he does appreciate that these guys are willing to go to bend the system to make, make their thing happen.
3: Yeah, and again, I think it's a little bit of that. Trey reminds him of in his youthful, like, Rascally days. Right. And there's yeah. a certain respect for his moxie mm-hmm. to, to actually try to pull this off. And then the fact that the app works, of course, is what, you know, really clinches the deal. But I think there's a grudging respect from the moment he gets in that room that, okay, I'll give you some time, kid, because, you know, I know what it's like to beat you. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and if anything, you know, we look at Murchison as maybe the money and the success has made him a little soft. You know, when you can kick back with the Ferrari Trout and the ladies and Moby playing your party, right. it's easy to sort of lose that killer instinct. And, uh, and that's what drove him in his early years. And so here's a chance to maybe get a little bit of that edge back.
1: Yeah. Now, here's what I'm wondering, because you, mm-hmm. in writing this show, you have to decide what kind of app are they making? Yes. Um, you know, would you use BRB? Like, like what, what drove you to make that app the, the core of our show? Because that, that, the app is essentially a character in this show. Yeah. We're watching it grow. We want it to succeed. Totally. We invest in it.
3: Well, first of all, Josh and I knew really early on <clears throat> that it would have to be a social app uh, because we wanted it to reflect the social lives of our characters and yes. be something that mm-hmm. everyone could relate mm-hmm. to and that could then – we could just build character out of in the ways that we used it. Felt like if they were working on Valerie or something, it would quickly become the kind of MacGuffin you never address again, like, you know, Dunder Mifflin. Right. Like, oh no, wants to we hear ran paper, out of parking right? spaces! Yeah. Yeah. We need to
1: come up with more parking spaces before the VC gets here. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> so it was always like, how do we take something that everybody uses but is really tied into, uh, their social lives? And not to get too heady about it, but like yeah. when we were pitching the show and thinking about the show, we were really like concerned with how things like friendship have become subverted by technology that like you gather friends quote unquote on yeah, Facebook mm-hmm. and that people are obsessed with getting likes and you know, like um, we just thought that was so rich and no one had explored that. And so we knew from, from the get go that it would be an app in that sphere. Then we had to figure something out and um we came up with the app long before of course the pilot aired i do feel like since then there's a lot of things that actually really are very similar like tinder or something yeah Uh but um but basically didn't exist when we were inventing it so it was interesting because this happened multiple times where we were sort of riffing on something and then like boom the next day it's kind of out there in the world and you realize these ideas are floating around and basically are just every day if you have it you gotta it's gotta be going tomorrow or you've missed the boat but um yeah, we just thought that it was an app we would use. It seemed like an interesting way to... I guess just Trey's theory that people have become too obsessed with their online lives and how do you connect people in the real world was something that really appealed to us.
1: Great. Yeah. So uh they appeal to Murchison through the one way that is pretty much without fail. Universal. Um, yes. Uh, Universal language. Yes, through his little brain. Yeah. Um, realizing, you know, he's wasting all these time with these hot blonde models, which, I mean, not a horrible time waster. I mean, I mean
2: there are worse ways to... <laughs> <are> worse, worse
1: <laughs> ways to yeah, while away your time. I, I would but, agree. but he had missed out on a woman who was just as into Kimbaku as he was. Yeah.
2: I love that you've got that down. You've got Kimbaku just on the tip of well, the tongue. Well, I didn't like, I until like he
1: said it a couple times oh. and now i've got it oh. i was just I, if you listen back and as as hardcore afterbus tv fans here, you, know, <laughs> right. you go back earlier in the episode i kept saying japanese rope bondage. this is the first time i actually said okay. I, I, like I was i party. was
2: impressed i was impressed i feel like you're exposing a whole generation
1: yeah to this, Learns. Right. Yes. i like it we
3: learn we adapt it's a learning computer <laughs> um yeah okay i mean that's uh, was yeah. there a question
1: no it's it wasn't really it wasn't really a question it's just kind of like a, this is again just recapping the show but yeah um you know he i love that moment of just like it seems like all is lost like they did their best yeah and you know he calls out he reaches out to nash again you know like uh trying to make a connection in the real world and nash shuts him out cause totally. he's so frustrated Yeah, that's one
3: of my favorite scenes in the yeah. pilot actually we shot that uh Boy, it was like 3 a.m. in Highland Park and we were freezing, tired. It had been a super long day. We didn't have many takes left really to right. go. And um, I thought those guys just killed it. That's Joe Dinical and and Sony who play mm. uh, Trey and Nash respectively and are just phenomenal. But um I love that we can have those dramatic moments in this show and I think they're just as – Earned and valuable as the comedy,
2: I do too. And in fact, especially when Murchison sends him the text, like all of a sudden, like it without for me was like this moment where, like, oh, this show's got a lot of heart. It's really funny, but you know, I think that you can appreciate on a whole lot of levels. Yeah, absolutely. And
1: they give good algorithm, and then (laughs) and then (laughs) just (laughs) (laughs) and credits. So it's left kind of ambiguous as to like you know he appreciates the app, but we don't really learn until the the second episode, which we'll talk about on a separate podcast that they actually have made it. Now, w- Yeah, it's just that glimmer of hope. Yeah. You know? Now, I, I wasn't aware, watching the pilot, that they were competing for a spot in a program. I thought that they were actively looking for funding. Is that a decision that was made pre-pilot or post-pilot?
3: Uh, post-pilot. Okay. Yeah. I would say they were – when they approach him, they're just hoping to get money. Right. Yeah. And then it turns out that what he's willing to offer them really is, hey, I have this accelerator, which is you know a very real thing, as you probably know from the startup yeah. world, um, where investors will uh, incubate – Maybe a dozen companies. There's actually one in Venice that we visited um, for inspiration. Um, called Amplify. And that's basically what he's willing to offer. Like, no, you guys haven't earned enough for me to just write you a check. Right, right. But uh, why don't you come here and work on the app and make it better and then we'll see what happens. So that's what they get themselves into in episode two.
1: Cool. Um, Patrick, do you have any other just episode one centric questions before we move into kind of like just more general interview stuff? I uh, know. I think uh, that, that, that's fine. Okay, cool. Uh, so I would love to talk about, because this is, uh, one of the first series of its kind, Amazon started making series. They had their big, you know, sort of like hunt for pilot scripts. Uh, I don't know how many were selected. I think, you know, something like 20 scripts became like eight pilots, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, yours was one of. And then they had this big public offering where anyone a battle
3: royale yeah, yeah. exactly a hunger game a
1: hunger game if you will <laughs> uh controlled by americans who got to watch all the pilots and decide which ones they wanted to see turned into series yes
3: uh, so like god bless democracy yes Amen. I Amen.
1: yes so let's let's go back to you know you you're writing this script you uh you and josh And Amazon launches this, you know, open submission policy. Like, what drew you to Amazon? Was it just, you know— Our
3: situation is a little unusual. Okay. Um, So they had the scenario in which, you know, you could be a guy sitting in your basement in Ohio, write a script, and send it in. We actually had been approached by the producer, Michael London, who had an idea. Um, I'd met him working on Sideways. And he had an idea for hey, what about a show set in this world? Would you be interested in writing it? And Josh and I said, yeah, that sounds awesome. And we developed a pitch and took that out, you know, to a lot of the usual places. Yeah, your, your FXs, your HBOs, right. your Showtimes. And he had been in talks with Amazon, who had told him, hey, we're launching original programming. We're really looking, you know, for producers with experience and. Um, to tell great stories, we want to compete with those other cable networks and so we went in in a more slightly more official capacity a more like, formal yeah, yeah. we yeah. had we had Michael uh, London on board to produce we had Michael layman on board to direct the pilot um, and so we had some experience, and then you had us in the room. Who were like, who the hell are these guys? Right. But um, <laughs> fortunately, they liked the pitch. And I think because it was set in a world that they all come from and work in every day, there was also a little bit of – we didn't have to explain a lot of it. Sure. it. sure. In a way, when you're pitching it to HBO and Showtime, they're kind of were like, what is this? What's a Twitter? And right.
1: But with Amazon, it felt like a natural extension of their brand. Yeah.
3: Happy. It felt like, oh, here's a world we want to talk about. And yeah. no one's done it. So that's really exciting. We could be on the forefront in a couple of ways. Um and so we were just really lucky that they were willing to to take a shot.
2: Uh, now what does that what does that mean you look like when you're actually pitching the show? You come into Amazon, walk me, paint me a picture if you. Will. Sure. So I'm I'm
3: Amazon. You're Amazon. And you're located I, uh, I want some shows. Up in Sherman Oaks. i in, in the Oaks. Galleria next to a PF Chang's. I am. <laughs> I really, that's where their offices are. High tech. I, I know that, that PF Chang's very very well. Um and so you walk in and they've got the whiteboard walls and everything you would sort of expect from your your tech startup except it's much much bigger. Yeah. Sure. Um, a lot of folks in an open you know, cubicle situation, they're uh, typing away, coding away. And um, we went in a conference room and we told them basically, here's the characters, here's the world, here's what we think the pilot could look like, here's some story ideas, here's some episodic ideas. We talked a lot about theme and why it was sort of relevant to the sure. culture. Um, but we did lay out all the characters that you know from uh, from the series pretty much in that room. Um, so it's
2: still 30,000 feet kind of level, right? Like it's not – you're not getting granular, not sto- individual story beats. It's like, hey, maybe here's what the arc looks like for a season. Here's maybe what the pilot specifically could Definitely. Look like.
3: You know, we, we did give them uh, slightly more specific pilot beats, but then once they got on board, we kind of retooled everything, you know, besides the characters. So that stuff was much more – Here's an example of right. right. Um, we'd sure. actually written an earlier <laughs> it's version. Good pantomime movie. Yeah, here's, here's an example. Like that. Of, I don't know. <laughs> we'd actually written an earlier version that's much more broad and ridiculous, and mm-hmm. I would someday like to table read for the uh, world. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would attend said table read. I so. would attend said table um, read. Too. But they, so the great uh, thing about them was they really encourage us to push all those things we're talking about: the drama, the authenticity. Um, and really kind of compete in that space with HBO and Showtime, which yeah. is the stuff I love to watch. So that was really exciting. And
2: yeah,. Well, amen. well, so then what does that look like too? so once they so once I as Amazon have said, okay, yeah, we we dig it. We're on board. sure what level of control am I exercising
3: over, you know, the direction of the show? Do they just kind of hands off go do it? No, it's very similar to any other place I did development for years and years. Yes. Um, so uh, it's very similar in that they gave notes on the outline. You know, a okay. cu- couple rounds of those, then you went off and wrote a draft. And then there was notes no, on that. Notes on that. I mean, sure. We probably did six or seven drafts, um, really before we got the green light. And there were steps in between there. We brought showrunners on who had a lot of experience, um, Alan Cohen and Alan Friedland, um, because Josh and I had never run a show, so as creators we, we weren't really equipped to do that. So then there were more script work after they came sure. on board, and it, you know, just it kept evolving like that. Um, so they were very hands-on notes throughout that whole process. Great. Yeah. Okay.
1: So, so then you know, you shoot this pilot. You get, you know, uh, hopefully a warm response from the network from it. Yeah. And then they're like, okay, so we're going to open this up for the public. This has never been done before. Were you just kind of crapping your pants? Shit, your drawers terrified. Yeah, Yeah, that is the worst. (laughs) Um, Because it's like coming from development, you can kind of gauge what the reaction is going to be. You know the types of people who are drawn to development because I did development as well in the reality world. So it's like, okay, I can gauge my odds. A little bit
3: by, by betting on personalities,
1: yeah. but then when you're dealing with people, uh, real people, it's a whole different ballgame. Yeah.
3: Totally. And really just having no idea what sort of metrics would be used. How yeah. many people well, will watch this stuff? What are they looking for? You know, we didn't, a lot of that was very sort of opaque to us. And so all we knew was we were proud of the show we'd made. So it was really, really nice that it was embraced because it's not. That's not always the case. Well, what, yeah. kind
2: of, what kind of analytics are you privy to, right? Does it, do they just open up the proverbial kimono and say, like, hey, here's how many views? Or what are they passing along um, to you? <laughs> proverbial
3: <laughs> kimono. <laughs> Is there a proverb uh, about uh, the kimono? Uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, okay. So, um, so many proverbs. <laughs> uh, they, they gave us a lot of the information that they were able to glean from that whole pilot testing process. But oddly enough, we didn't get it or look at it until way late in the okay. season. Oh, interesting. So it's almost like, oh, well, that's interesting to know. But, you know.
2: So, so, yeah. so literally, the, the pilot aired and you guys are just in the dark until somebody from
3: Amazon calls and is like, yep. Pretty much. Wow. Yeah, okay. It's a little crazy. Um You know, and so we – they don't like to talk about hard numbers and things like that. But we did get a lot of feedback about what people liked, didn't like as much, you know. And and I think that the thing that – the through line that we kept getting was people really responded to the characters. And then after they put the first three up, that was the same thing. It was like by episode three – I love the characters more than I did episode one. And that's what you want. I think any kind of like show that's gonna have longevity, it's because you connect with these. Absolutely. You
1: build an attachment, you identify, uh you want them to succeed. Yeah. Um all right. We we unfortunately we have to wrap up this episode, but uh (laughs) Evan is going to be on the second episode, which we're about to tape on. With my lovely co-creator. Yes, Josh Stoddard. Uh so thank you to everybody for joining us. Um, we, we're going to be dropping this tomorrow with episode two as well. So we're going to come right back in the studio and tape that. But as we're wrapping up, uh, Patrick, where can the people find you? I'm at P to the D's on Twitter. And I host a, (laughs) I
2: host a, a video game podcast. You can find on iTunes called pixel by pixel.
3: Wonderful, and uh, Evan, where can the people find you? I am at notorious eje at Twitter. There. Yeah, you are. all right. Yeah. And uh, the the show's official Twitter of your handle, yeah.
1: yeah.
2: The uh,
3: the
1: I'm show's not official Twitter is at betas. Yes. So at b e t a s. You can find me on Twitter at matt lieberman. That's m a t t l i e b e r m a n. You can also find me here on AfterBuzz TV on the Sleepy Hollow, Marvel's Agents of Shield, and Almost Human after shows. All of the shows. All of, <laughs> all of the shows. Uh, we shows. call him
2: Captain Afterbuzz.
1: Don't call me Captain Afterbuzz. Tweeted him Captain <laughs> Afterbuzz. No calls- After <laughs> if anyone tweets at me Captain Afterbuzz, um, you're off the list <laughs> do- of good people. I'm, do- I'm okay. doing it right Okay, okay. okay. Thank you all for joining us. We will see you in the next episode. Good night.
0: From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Afterbuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the Afterbuzz TV network to watch or listen to other aftershows and post comments or questions. Be sure to visit afterbuzztv.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth and this has been a presentation of Afterbuzz TV. Buzz, Buzz you later. later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of Afterbuzz TV or its owners or principals. Thank you for watching Afterbuzz TV on
2: YouTube. For more of your favorite aftershows and interviews, subscribe to our channel here and be sure to share your opinion on the episode in the comment section below here. We'd love to see what you guys are buzzing about. Thanks again. Buzz you later.